Welcome to What's Up with Betsy Johnson, a podcast from a longtime Oregon legislator and keen political observer discussing what is right and wrong with government, politics, and public policy. Well, let's talk about uh, the short session of the legislature and the other things they, they might do in, ter- in in addition to fixing ballot measure 110 if they do. But basically, it, it was supposed to be you show up, you fix the budget if there's problems, if there's some bill that isn't working quite right, you fix that, and then you go away. There wasn't supposed to be a whole bunch of new stuff being added. So what do you think is going to come up in February when they get together for six weeks? Hannah, bar the door. Anything will come up. Because remember, this is now an election year. And so for those 35 days, everybody's going to be grandstanding. They're going to be doing the sound bites that they can put out in their re-election literature. They're going to be introducing bills that they can send home flyers to their constituents and tell them how great they are. Uh, And so I think there's just going to be one thing after the next. Um, hearings are still not optimal. They do these mixed Zoom and in-person hearings. Uh, I know, for example, that next week, the Committee on, on Drugs is going to meet to talk about Ballot Measure 110. They have allotted 10 minutes, 10 minutes, for the people that are trying to offer reforms to come in and speak. 10 minutes. I I just think that that hardly constitutes the robust debate that everybody says the legislature ought to be the home for. Uh, And it was worse on Zoom because if Zoom didn't, if the chair didn't want to hear you on Zoom, you know, you got your allotted three minutes and others were allowed to, to go on, prattle on for as long as they wanted to prattle on for. It it's very, very, very difficult. to engage government and make your case. It's like I've already made my mind up, so don't tangle me up with a lot of uh, of facts. And the problem is that Senator Lieber, who's the chair of the Drug Committee and a very smart person and somebody that I like, uh, she, however, went to Portugal and it was paid for by the the pro-drug people. She doesn't think that putting any sanctions that they keep referring to as recriminalizing will fix the problem. So I think what they're going to do is to end up saying, you can't shoot up where other people can see you and that that will will then fix the problem. Okay, so great, the druggies just go into their tent, they shoot up and they come out. Same problem, only the, the good burgers of Portland didn't have to see it. Speaking of seeing things, when I was at my daughter's on the Portland State campus, there's an ambulance parked right by the park there. I think it's Shemansky Park, um, right in the middle of downtown Portland. And there's an ambulance there. It was there every single day and almost every hour that I was there. That was over six days. So that was kind of scary. And then one night, somebody was out screaming at 2 o'clock in the morning for about an hour and a half or so. The cops showed up, and then they screamed some more. And there was more screaming and more screaming. It's terrible, and, and something's got to be done, but it doesn't sound like anything is. Well, one of the things that I hope is going to be done, and I'm working like crazy to do it, is to get rid of the current Multnomah County DA, Mike Schmidt. He needs to go. I couldn't stand him when he ran the Criminal Justice Commission because of all of his woke, you know, hug-a-thug policies, and I'll get in trouble for saying that, and I make no apology for saying it. And so now he's got a real attorney coming after him. I hope that Nathan Vasquez has elected the next DA of Multnomah County and that they will actually 
come after some of this bad behavior. Uh, I mean, you could ask just how progressive is Mike Schmidt? And this information came from my friend Josh Marquis, who was the DA in Clatsop County for a, a quarter of a century. So Mike Schmidt is going to hold a panel discussion on the subject of ending mass incarceration. And he's going to be joined by former San Francisco District Attorney Chesa Bodine, who was recently recalled by the voters last year uh, during the city's well-publicized crime wave. So Schmidt is so progressive and so anti-cop and, and pro-criminal and anti-victim that he's going to appear with a disgraced former San Francisco DA who was recalled because the people of San Francisco just couldn't stand the attitude of just give every criminal a cookie and a cup of cocoa at four o'clock in the afternoon and they won't be bad guys anymore. I mean, that's just, that's outrageous. And so having somebody that will help the police build cases and will prosecute the cases uh, the DA's office right now is prosecuting about half the cases that they were prosecuting um, before. Uh, they were prosecuting about 12,000, now about 6,000 since Schmidt has been there. And Schmidt's office is a mess. Uh, Schmidt has been charged with bad behavior towards the women in his office. He's had some suits filed. Uh, there have been questionable expenses in that office. This is a guy that needs to go. And I think that if there is a DA with an articulated goal of restoring law and order to the city of Portland, that maybe, maybe, maybe some of this crap will stop. Well, that can't be the only election you're paying attention to. Uh, there's all of Oregon's house, uh, state house, will be up for re-election in 2024. The, the, the other big statewide offices are up, though. Treasurer. Secretary of State and Attorney General. The um, Speaker of the House of Representatives, Dan Rayfield, who's a practicing lawyer and uh, I think is a is a, a good guy. I mean, I, I like him. He's smart. Uh, I've worked with him in the legislature. When he shook hands and made a deal, he kept his word. So he's running for Attorney General, and I think that will help shake up that office. That office hasn't been well run in ages. It's the state's largest law firm, and um, I, I think leadership has been deficient, and I just think their performance has not been great. Tobias Reed, who is the sitting treasurer, is going to run in a primary for secretary of state against another sitting legislator by the name of James Manning from down in the Eugene area. And so that race, I think, unless the Republicans come up with a hell of a candidate in very short order, is going to be decided at the primary. And then a current sitting senator by the name of Elizabeth Steiner, who, uh, along with me, was the co-chair of Ways and Means, um, is running for Tobias's seat. And so you've got the whole House running. You've got a lot of the Senate running. You've got a lawsuit that is being adjudicated, and the oral arguments are going to be heard in the first two weeks of December. I think it's on the 14th of December, but I'm not sure. The arguments will be heard before the Oregon Supreme Court about whether or not legislators who missed more than 10 days in the last session by not being on the floor and providing a quorum will be allowed to seek office again. 
And so that's another ballot measure that was pretty poorly crafted, went to the ballot. Uh, voters didn't pay enough attention to what they were voting on. And it passed that said, basically, if you don't come to work, you you are penalized by not being allowed to run again. Only the way that it was drafted was uh, there was plenty left up for interpretation and the courts will interpret that. So that's an added dimension of kind of stirring the pot in the election world. Then none of us should lose track of how important local races are. The school boards are becoming the hotbed of political activity right now. County commissioners are up. And um, and those local close to the people offices are really, really important offices. And so the political season is in full scorched earth mode. I can't open an email or a text without having somebody trying to worm into my wallet. Some of these are going to be very highly contested. The, um, the freshmen in the Congress, and we now have six instead of five here in Oregon, those freshmen that were just elected last time are as vulnerable as they are ever going to be. And so some of our congressional seats are going to be very, very contested. And then adding to kind of the interest, the spectator sport interest in Oregon is the fact that after years in Congress, Earl Blumenauer, a very liberal uh, Democrat from the Portland area, decided not to seek election. And so all of the balls are still in the air as to who will come down seeking that seat. That doesn't happen very often where you don't have, uh, I mean, when long serving legislators or Congress people announce that they're not going to run, it sets off a frenzy of people that are interested in the seat. So the political season in Oregon is hot and heavy, probably not as hot and heavy as it is in Iowa, where you've got the caucuses coming up or New Hampshire um, that are going to start to set the table at the national level. But there is no shortage of um, political drama out here in good old Oregon. So in terms of the political ads you're seeing, are there any? You've seen a lot of them on TV there. I'm not really an ad watcher. I usually just put everything on mute. But I just wondered if you've noticed an uptick in those. Yes, and it surprised me because some of the national ads that I have seen on television have been for Chris Christie, um, Mr. DeSantis, uh, Mr. Trump have had ads on Oregon airwaves. Oregon generally does not have the national scene pay a tremendous amount of attention to us because we're so reliably blue and um, uh, only have six congressional seats and we're just not a big player in national electoral policy. But uh, it has surprised me to see some national presidential ads Mostly the Republicans, the ones that I've seen are mostly the Republicans squawking among themselves. And then there have been some Biden is wonderful ads, um, a, a smattering of those touting uh, Bidenomics and all of his successes as president. And so, yeah, there's, there has been at this early stage a surprising amount of television by the big guys. And during a uh, hotly contested race, uh, those television ads could raise, could run upwards of three quarters of a million dollars a week. So um, this is not an inexpensive undertaking to be up on the air this early. The, the corollary to that, though, is that in some of the congressional seats or even some of the legislative seats, 
if before the, the field gets full, if an incumbent or a newcomer that needs to establish name recognition gets out in front early by buying television or buying print or video or that kind of media to help establish name recognition, uh, that might end up being a good thing for them. We're going to have a house race in Northwest Oregon where I don't think any of the uh, names that I've heard have any degree of public um, knowledge about them. They, they would need to introduce themselves to the public and those early introductory conversations or ads or mailings or engagement are terribly, terribly important to say this is who I am and this is why I think you ought to either unseat an incumbent and put me in or if it's an open seat to say this is the new fresh ideas that I'm going to bring. There are a lot of new faces and it will be interesting. Then, of course, in Oregon, there's a lot of movement from the House into the Senate as the Senate has shifted around. Some longtime senators have left and um, hot races to fill those seats. So no no shortage of political drama. And that's going to carry over into the short session, which was the thesis of your question. Uh, what all is going to happen in that short session. And I think enormous amount of grandstanding. And it breaks my heart to say after going out and speaking to various groups and trying to drum up support for folks to reach out to their legislators and to try to get legislators to stand up and make a real difference in the ballot measure 110, I am not optimistic that much of anything is going to happen. Uh, so it's 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 very very discouraging. I guess the, the more discouraging piece of it is when I think about Multnomah County and the city and the amount of money that's sloshing through both the county and the city, but especially the county, and their inability to make much of a dent in the homeless situation. It just breaks my heart that uh, there's there's no real aligned plan to try to get people off the streets. The woman that I've been trying to help for the last year has found her way into quasi-stable housing. And so as the temperatures have dropped down into the 20s already, I worry less about her sleeping in a doorway because I know she's got a roof over her head. How successful she's going to be long-term remains to be seen. And it took about a year to get her ensconced in housing that's a step up from a shelter um, but certainly uh, not a, a fully functioning apartment dweller who's able to hold down a job and and succeed in reintegrating. I think she deals with mental health and drug problems. Um, it's going to be a long road. And even having an aggressive navigator like me by her side uh, a lot through a lot of this journey, we haven't made very much headway. And I despair to think what you're going to do with between eight and 10,000 people who were on the streets um, trying to get them in, ensconced in a more permanent situation. Thanks for listening to What's Up with Betsy Johnson. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please email questions, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S, at BetsyJohnson.com.